heavily, I'm a clown. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Echo Chamber, a no-nonsense podcast where we talk about all things Bitcoin and try to cut out a lot of the noise in the cryptocurrency space. Today is going to be episode 8 with a friend of mine, Max Hillebrand. Now, if you are at all active on crypto slash Bitcoin Twitter, you've probably seen Max around or you've at least like run into him in conversation somewhere. Maybe you've even seen his videos. He is a YouTube content creator over on the World Crypto Network. Max is an awesome guy, and I know that I say that about pretty much every guest that I have on, but that's because I have awesome guests. And Max, I've probably enjoyed this conversation more than any other conversation I've had thus far. Not that the other ones weren't good, it's just that Max is a really great conversationalist, and he posts a lot about uh, Wasabi Wallet and privacy and uh, the future of the world and what it might look like you know, with privacy or if we choose to forego privacy and we don't pay attention to these things. Because in the digital world, privacy grows increasingly important, especially as we move towards seeing things like China implement the social credit scores and and more and more clampdown and control and watchfulness coming from the state. Privacy is important. And I wanted to pick Max's brain in this episode about all the things that he thinks a Bitcoiner can do to maybe protect their privacy. Obviously, you don't want to try to break the law, but there is a line that can be walked where we can try to set the standard early on in the Bitcoin space that privacy is the default, that it's a right that we're entitled to and that we need to fight to protect that right. Because without our privacy, we'll just be monitored 24-7 and that could lead to some pretty messy scenarios later on down the line. Anyway, let's do a quick word from the sponsors and then I will let you guys hear what my friend Max has to say. This episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber podcast is sponsored by WTFHappenedIn1971.com. The economics meme taking the world by storm where all of us are trying to find out the answer to what the heck happened in 1971. WTF1971 also has a merch store now. You can find it at WTF-1971.creator-spring.com. I'll post a link to that down in the show notes if you want to check it out. Thanks for the support. Max. How you doing today, man? Hey, Colin. Very nice to be here. I'm re- very glad. I really like your episodes. And you had some fantastic guests on and, and some great insights. Uh, both, of course, Bitcoin and Austin economics. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be here and talk to you today. Oh, well, thanks a lot. That actually means a lot to me. Um, anytime I run into somebody who spends a lot of their time and energy talking and tweeting and working on and using Bitcoin, like I'm just like, I have to get this guy in the show because... Every single Bitcoiner tends to be a pretty interesting person, uh, and and you're definitely no exception in this regard. At least I think so. I, it's it's crazy, right? We just have so many amazing peers in our network. It's insane, and it's it's the smartest people working on the most compelling problems. So I I could not miss a second of it. I love it. For sure, for sure. And just for my audience, uh, they might be trying to pin down your accent right now. Now you're living in Germany, correct? Yes, precisely. I, I was uh, born and raised in the southern part of Bavaria. And right now I live uh, very close to the border of Austria, Switzerland and Liechtenstein. There's a big lake uh, that covers uh, pretty much uh, these four uh, countries. And uh, that's that's where I live. And it's uh, quite a beautiful place right uh, at the Alps. And I love the mountains and it's beautiful there. Germany is on my bucket list. I've been a lot of places in Europe, but I have not ever visited Germany, unfortunately. But I will be uh, working in Poland sometime in the next couple of years, and I plan on taking a trip to Germany while I'm there. Very nice. Yeah, the cool thing of Europe is that there are it's it's a very nice, diverse uh, area, and you can travel just a couple hours and be at a complete different uh, landscape and, and culture. And and that's really something that that I appreciate about Europe. It's, it's just the quote unquote diversity, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And sometime I'll have to have you back on, and we'll we'll do a deep dive into European politics and and cultural dynamics. But I definitely don't want to don't want to touch that today because I don't think we'll ever get to Bitcoin. <laughs> so well, that would be a shame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we gotta we gotta focus on what's important, right? You know. Uh, so t- tell tell the viewers a little bit about yourself. Well, Bitcoin, like what what how, what got a guy like you into Bitcoin? How'd you end up where you're at right now? 
Well, I've, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my or long time. I think I had my first job when I was nine. And that just taught me how, how to hustle, right? How to provide a service for others. And um, it, it was a pain. It was a really shitty job, like bringing out newspapers for like three bucks a day. Uh, horrible. Oh, no, mi no minimum wage. How bad was that? But it was good. I learned so much. And I'm, I'm very proud that I did it. And, and that's a huge part of, of my background. Uh, so helping others and this entrepreneurial spirit was, was very, uh, yeah, I, I learned that very early. And uh, that also then sparked my interest for economics and i've always read like economics books and then over there like realizing that keynesian and mainstream economics is complete bonkers and nonsense uh, then thank god i discovered austrian economics and and that really just is a logical sound economics and uh, thus i also i already somewhat understood monetary economics before i discovered bitcoin uh, but then actually Precisely today, as, as we record this, uh, exactly three years ago, I watched my very first video by Andreas Antonopoulos uh, called The Bubble Boy and the Sewer Rat. And this is, in my opinion, to this day, the best video about Bitcoin ever made. And I watched it as my very first Bitcoin video. So that spoiled my entire uh, rabbit hole trip. <laughs> but yeah, then so tomorrow, one day later, uh, three years ago, uh, is when I first bought my first Bitcoin. So I watched a bunch of Andreas videos. I, uh, I contemplated all this and I was blown away and I wanted to experience it. Uh, so I tried it out and I've been falling down the rabbit hole ever since. Yeah. And when you say falling down the rabbit hole, you mean it because I know like, well, from my personal experience, once I got bit by the Bitcoin bug, I, I, I think you, you, I've, I've heard, listened to you in the past, and I think you said you, you heard about Bitcoin early on, and then kind of ignored it for a while until you figured out how important it was. I had the exact same experience, right? I came across it on Reddit back in like 2011, 2012, and I ignored it for like the next four years. And obviously, it's the price that kind of brought me back in. But once I went down that rabbit hole. Man, it's like for the last two years, it's been Bitcoin every single day. Like, it's all I can think about. It's all I can focus on. Yeah, right. Isn't that, is that it's fantastic. It's, a, it's such a compelling thing. I think it's like it's Bitcoin is the perfect representation of, of the flow state. It's uh, we walk right down the path of order and chaos, right? We are uh, we're. Um, we have structure, right? We have order. We have we have precise rules that that are in place and that that ground us here in consensus, of course. But then on the other hand, we are just reckless as hell and building the most amazing financial tools while having no clue if they will work or no clue if they, if they will actually be useful. Uh, so the, the entrepreneurial process is very much one of of uh, a balance of chaos and order. And I, I think Bitcoin just walks a perfect line uh, in between of them. <laughs> Bitcoin uh, sort of demands, you know, the, the perfect line. If anything, it's, it's, it's more chaotic than order. But, you know, it, at the same time, you're right, it, it does have a certain sense of order to it. There, and I, I've said this before, there's like a certain beauty, you know, in, in Bitcoins. There's a certain elegance to its simplicity. The, the complexity of which it accomplishes something by being so simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, precisely. Yeah, Bitcoin is such a beautiful machine, uh, a beautiful tool that is made up of very, very basic uh, things. And like, not just on a uh, on a technical point of view. I mean, uh, asymmetric key cryptography is nothing new, right? And and SHA two fifty six hashing is nothing new, hmm. and nothing too complex. But Bitcoin just pa packages these techniques together in a beautiful way. And and same then with the monetary aspect. I mean, the the entire monetary uh, rule set of Bitcoin is. 50 blocks or 50 new monetary units every block almost every 10 minutes uh, and you have that after every 210,000 blocks that's it <laughs> like th that's it that was it but that is the, the most profound and the most most beautiful monetary phenomenon that we've ever seen it comes out of two those two basic rules the difficulty adjustment is, is breathtaking it's it's remarkable that um, you know a few thousand lines of code were able to accomplish something that a cent century of an entire planet's worth of economists weren't able to figure out uh, and and do on their own. You know, which is a truly truly controlled monetary policy. Oh yes, very nice, and and that's actually something that Hayek said, and I think uh, choice and currency uh, is that. Gold is such a perfect currency because it is not man-made, uh, because it, it does not have the flaws of a human-made machine. Uh, and 
the thing is that all these other monetary consensus net systems that we have, like, for example, Bretton Woods or you know, the fiat debt-based systems, they are not as good as gold because flawed humans are guiding it, are managing it. Mm -hmm. And Hayek said that, that we were either never going to find something that is better than gold or just you know, introduce something in a sly roundabout way and, and take the power away from the government. But, but taking away the monetary power from the government means that we don't give it back to another government. It means that we take it away from governing in general. And we did that with Bitcoin, with such a beautiful, simplistic monetary algorithm. Uh, we no longer can manipulate it. Uh, and, and that's the beauty of, of monetary consensus. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring up uh, F.A. Hayek because I, I try not to follow people. I try to follow ideas because people tend to always let me down, you know. Uh, but I like to think that if Mr. Hayek was still alive, he would be a pretty big fan of Bitcoin. Uh, he, Road to Serfdom is one of my favorite books that I've ever read because it's it's changed the way that I think about a lot of things. Uh, and I, I have Hayek to thank for that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Hayek's uh, choice in currency uh, explains Bitcoin perfectly. Uh, and I would say even more so does Murray Rothbard's Man, Economy and State. It's a tiny pamphlet. It's like a uh, like this size and, and I think 100 pages or so. But it's it's so good. As a matter of fact, I did a reading of what has government done to our money and I've on the World Crypto Network and I've replaced the word uh, Bitcoin with gold. Uh, and it works so good. I mean, Rothbard is talking about why peers are hodling and why shit coins are nonsense. It's it's a joy to read. That's fantastic. I, uh, that's on the World Crypto Network channel? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. If you guys want to check that out, I definitely recommend you head over to World Crypto Network and, and look for that. Do you know what it's called by any chance? Um, I think the playlist is what has government done to our money. I think okay. I haven't changed the title. Um, but yeah, the World Crypto Network is really cool. Uh, so it's uh, it's just a network, or open source network of different content creators that have since 2013, I think, produced over 2000 videos about Bitcoin. And that's phenomenal. And I've, I've joined them just a couple months ago and have produced like a couple hundred uh, videos so far. But yeah, it's, it's a cool channel. I've learned a lot from them. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys are a lot like Decentralized TV, which is uh, the network that I'm a part of. We, we try to do a really similar thing where we just have lots of crypto content by created by different people that are kind of all over the world with all different backgrounds and sort of just giving their perspective on this phenomenon, you know, that is crypto and, and Bitcoin. Um, I know like myself, I, I tend to be the more the Bitcoin maximalist sort of of the team, um, which, which I'm totally fine with. You know, I, I like to play the devil's advocate. Uh, especially in, in this instance, because I really do believe in Bitcoin over just about everything else out there right now. Uh, yes, I, I would tend to agree so. And not necessarily because uh, the shit coins are bad. It's just that Bitcoin is so damn good. Yeah. And like anything that has weaker assumptions as Bitcoin and anything that is easier at being able to change from those that, that created it uh, is not as interesting. And the unchangeability of Bitcoin is, is such a profound, profound innovation that I just don't see that too many shitcoins can come up with that. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, that's the beauty of competition, right? Bitcoin has started this Libra open source monetary movement and you can fork off. You can create your own uh, coin within a couple of clicks. And that is awesome. Like we need that. So I'm all for experimenting with uh, with these uh, other altcoins and trying to uh, find something that is better than Bitcoin. I just haven't found it yet. And yeah, it's, neither it's have be I. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't want to fault people, um, you know, because I. I Everybody, I, I like to think that everybody tends, everybody tends to either have not enough information if they come from a place of ignorance or they're basing their, forming their conclusions on, on false assumptions. Um, and, and usually like when I find that I disagree with someone about something or, or we can't come to an agreement about something in particular, it's because of one of those two things, you know, the, we, we are forming our perspectives like from a completely different standpoint on everything. And I feel like Bitcoin is no different. And I, I really, really do feel like a lot of the people who think um, insert your favorite shitcoin is really great is just because they don't understand Bitcoin well enough to really, really know that it's not that great, especially compared to Bitcoin. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I would say that there are two different types of, of not knowing something. Uh, the one is nescience, uh, kind of a weird word, but it's, it's quite beautiful. It actually describes not knowing because of a lack of information. So you, you simply just haven't read the book yet. 
That's why you don't know about. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being nation. Like there is an infinite amount of knowledge to accumulate. You, you can't have possession of all this knowledge. It's impossible. And the other aspect of not knowing is ignorance. And that means to ignore something. You you have the information. You have accumulated this information. And you've, you've understood it. And you've, you judge it to be truthful. But yet you still don't live by it. You still don't apply it. And ignorance is is very not good at all because it you see it's you see something is truthful and yet despite that you act you you act in a wrong matter and that is very dangerous so being nations no issue whatsoever just do more reading uh, but ignoring what you know to be truth that is dangerous and you will have to live with the consequences what do you think is more prevalent in crypto right now do you think it's the former or the latter Oh, that is a great question. I would say for the vast majority, it's the former. I mean, you see, how many people have read the white paper, right? Very few. Um, yeah. And I mean, on the like, that's the thing with the internet, right? Every information is, is at the tip of your, of your fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, 200 years ago, if you wanted to read a book, you had to travel the entire world to, to go to that one library where it was lying, right? You couldn't do that. So being nations was way more acceptable back in the days. But now that we have the information superhighway, uh, that you can get any information that you want at the like, click of a button, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to be ignored. And especially those that have a pro- like a proliferary v- uh, view of Bitcoin, but they they still ignore it. Uh, and especially then when they when they start uh, doing like bad stuff and and um, actively spreading FUD and wrong information. That's actually when when it comes when, when it becomes immoral. Hmm. Especially when they have financial incentives to deceive people into thinking a particular way, which crypto has a lot of. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and again, right, that's that's always it. That's knowledge in itself is neutral. It's just information. Uh, but what is very powerful is a knowledge differential, uh, a asymmetry in information. And that, I mean, it's, it's a hierarchy, right? Some people are going to be more knowledgeable than others. That's, doesn't, that's in, inherently not bad. And you can go about that in two different ways. Either you share your knowledge with others and you, you provide it in a package that helps them to understand if it is truthful or not. Uh, and that is raising others, right? That is the great work of, of doing education and helping your peers. However, then the the other way that you can do it um, is to occult this knowledge, to hide it from others, to conceal it actively, uh, and even further to misguide these individuals to uh, stumble upon falsehood instead of truth. Uh, and and this is really, really bad. So a, a power differential exists when you have uh, a asymmetry of knowledge. And you can either use this for the benefit of others or at their detriment. Uh, and I hope that Bitcoin is very much on the side of, of open source everything. That's quite profound. You know, I think that the vast majority of power dynamics in human history have come from an asymmetry of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, the, and again, it's it's inherent, right? It, that, that just is the hierarchy of, of things, how things are. And there's inherently nothing wrong with, with you being more knowledgeable than others. But again, the question is, what do you do with that? And are you the asshole that's going to uh, tell someone to walk over a cliff? Or are you going to help them out? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a question that each person's going to have to answer individually, I, I think. You know, you're going to have to yeah. find out whether or not you have the moral courage to to do what you should or to do what benefits you uh, versus the everyone else. uh, Yeah, and and Colin, maybe a a question for you. Why are you sharing this information? You you could shut up, right? Yeah. You're you're, you're putting yourself actively at risk and and telling that that you you own Bitcoin probably. And and, right, so so this is, you put yourself at risk. Why do you do it? Absolutely. Um, This is something that I, I brood over on a pretty regular basis, uh, thinking... Perhaps I'm making a big mistake, you know, um, showing my face and name and all these types of things. But at the end of the day, like the reason that I'm here, I I know a lot of people are here because crypto is awesome and it's exciting and there's lots of cool stuff going on and all this innovation and there's all this money. And don't get me wrong, like I'm interested in those things. Um, But what really brought me here is the idea of uh, global, unconfiscatable sound money, you know, because I live in a world where... And, I, and I've talked about this ad infinitum with, just in the recent past, just last night, I was talking about this with some friends. We live in a world where systematically and systemically you're stolen from every single day. 
Um, and, and it's not just me, you know, it's, it's all of my friends, all of my family, all of my coworkers, all of my kids, all of their future kids. Well, and, and, and historically this, this trend is getting worse and worse and worse generation after generation. Um, and I fear for the future. I really, really do. And I, I felt very pessimistic about the future until I discovered Bitcoin because Bitcoin is because I'm cynical enough to know that the only way out of this is with something that's so good you can't ignore it and bitcoin is the is is that it, it is that and i i feel uh because i understand these things because i have all of these things internalized and because i don't think there are a lot of people out there that can fully understand the implications of bitcoin i feel that i have a moral responsibility to help people understand help them see what i see Oh, Colin, spot on. Absolutely. And really, thank you for what you, for what you do. Because again, like sharing this knowledge with others is the great work. That's why we are here. That That is it. And and, and what you said is, is perfect, that you feel a moral obligation to do it. And I, I would go even further to say, if you have truthful knowledge and you actively, or, or then it is not your, it is not in your right to not share it with others especially when they when they are walking at a cliff right when you see someone walking at a cliff and you don't tell you don't tell them you don't talk to them then this is actually a wrong act a immoral and and wrong act and so you don't have the right to keep this knowledge for yourself because it's not your knowledge right it's a non-scarce information it, it's not owned by anyone it's in the public mind here of, of open source space hmm. so sharing this with others is very much a, your your moral responsibility I, I would absolutely agree hmm. and it's it's courageous that you're doing it well uh hopefully i i don't ever have to uh hope hopefully i don't ever have to think about how courageous it was <laughs> well yeah i mean it, it is courageous and it, it is at the risk of, of getting harmed, but I, I couldn't think of, of a cause worth dying for more than liberating humankind. So, although, well, that, that got dis uh, depressing fast, but yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah no, it's, it's, it's a great responsibility and uh, we, we have the opportunity of, of liberating mankind. And when we don't fuck it up, then uh, we got a, a, quite a good chance. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, these opportunities don't tend to come along every couple of years. This is, yeah. this is our shot. This is a once in, a, once in a century opportunity to significantly shift the balance of power um, in, in ways that are good for everyone. You know, it's not it, everyone from the people at the very top all the way to the very bottom will would likely benefit from a world that returned to a, a global sound money. Um, yes, exactly. Because, well, what is a sound money? It's it's a monetary system that is not based on theft. It's one that is voluntarily chosen and chosen in such a way that uh, no one is stealing from another, but everyone is, is sharing and collaboratively in the voluntary exchange of the economy growing together. Uh, and Bitcoin is, is thus a, the complete antithesis to the, to the current fiat that uh, based financial system that very much is stealing from you every single second. Uh, and it, well, it is definitely absolutely worth, uh, worth defending. It's, it's actually, I find it quite concerning how far our concept of money has been abstracted. Um, if I were to talk to one of my peers today and I were to say to them something that I consider, um, uh, what's, what's the word for something that, that's a law or like a rule? Uh, it starts with an A. I forget the axiomatic. word. Axiomatic. I see it as axiomatic to say that my money is my claim on the productivity of the world. You know, that it's my stake in the sweat equity of the planet. Um, I consider that axiomatic. But somebody who is perhaps a Keynesian would argue with me that that is not true simply because they don't understand the fundamental um, process by which money is intended to be used. Mm. Yeah, that's, oh, that's very nice. Hmm. Yeah, and I would maybe package it that way that um, when you when you hold a currency, when you uh, when you save your monetary goods, this means that well, right? You you can't eat money. Money is not a consumption good, and you can't build a house out of money. Money is not a production good. Uh, money is a medium of exchange, right? It's the thing that you have in order to exchange it for the thing that you actually want. 
Um, and so the, in, in the monetary system, then, if, if we have this or if, if we hold a monetary good, this means that we postpone uh, our consumption. We postpone the gratification of our needs. And this is very much a sacrifice. It really is. And we're sacrificing our uh, very much our the we're sacrificing our time and attention and the scarce goods that we have accumulated so that the future is going to be more delightful. And that is something very human and, and very profound. So, so Bitcoin is hopefully going to be a tool that, that gives us this ability back of doing a proper sacrifice uh, and, and uh, planning ahead for the future generations. Eloquently said. Eloquently said. So I want to actually shift gears a little bit here. Um, something that you spend a lot of time talking about that I see you've tweeted about, you've made videos about, you've done tutorials on is Wasabi Wallet. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it, what your involvement is in Wasabi Wallet first and foremost, and then why you think it's so important? Um, well, I, I like to say that I'm an open source entrepreneur. Uh, I support whichever open source venture that I currently find interesting and that uh, I wager is doing a good share in liberating mankind. So I, I, Wasabi is one of these open source projects, which I, I 100% uh, stand behind and I'm, I'm not getting paid by them. <laughs> and uh, I don't really want to because or well, I mean, it would be nice, but <laughs> but but still it's 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 more that it's a fantastic tool and a tool that we can use in order to uh, remove uneasiness. And it's, it's a beautiful tool and it's a very powerful tool uh, that, that can have profound consequences. So um, helping others use this tool uh, is a very important aspect as well. Uh, and, and that's basically my role. Uh, I, I know uh, Adam Fiskor, the developer who has dedicated, sacrificed uh, three years on building this software. And it shows. It's really good. It's, in my opinion, one of the best Bitcoin wallets. I mean, the Electrum uh, Bitcoin wallet is really good. It has like all the features that you want. It can connect to your own node and, and everything. It's perfect. It has hardware wallet support, multi-sig, all the good stuff. Yeah, but but the Wasabi wallet is outstanding. Uh, and its its main feature is that it is, first and foremost, a, a tool that protects you against those that spy upon you. Uh, so it's, it's uh, a tool of self-defense against... Uh, 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 or to protect your privacy. And that is very, very compelling. Uh, Max, are you familiar with something called a dust attack? Um, yes. So a, a dust attack is basically that uh, a malicious actor is sending to a old address on, a, on the blockchain. So it is a, a UTXO that corresponds to, to the Bitcoin address. Uh, and it is already used and it still is a UTXO. So it has not been spent yet. Uh, and then the malicious attacker sends a minuscule amount, just a couple hundred Satoshis, uh, to the same address. And then you have two unspent transaction outputs that can be spent with the same script, so with the same private key, so to say. Uh, and it, first and foremost, it's a spam attack, right? You send 500 Satoshis on the, on the Bitcoin blockchain and you pay probably a large fee for that uh, so that you... Uh, put more data in the mempool and thus you have to pay more in order to get access to the mempool and the blockchain does. Uh, so others have to pay more fees. And I think that's what we saw at the end of 2017 as was a massive spam attack uh, with these dusting attacks. And I know several peers who had like cold wallets from 2011, 12, 13, uh, which they have never published to anyone, uh, but all of a sudden they received seven different dusts uh, to that same address. Uh, with just like 500 Satoshis each. So uh, this thing is happening and it is first a dust attack, but also a privacy attack in a sense that, let's say he, he would have in 2011, you have this cold wallet and that gets the dust thrown at it. And now in 2019, um, you spent this, uh, this cold storage and you spend it together with one of your recent addresses that you just currently are using. Uh, and now you have linked uh, all the transactions from 2011 up to the most recent transaction, all these in between uh, can now be, well, more easily linked to you. It's not perfect, but it's definitely a tool that uh, chain analysis companies um, or, well, rats uh, are using. Interesting. And speaking of chain analysis companies, now, I, I'm not an expert on these things, but I have gathered from my research that, that these things are not a perfect science. And in a lot of cases, they can actually be used quite easily to intentionally mislead somebody that might be um, performing blockchain analytics. What are your thoughts on, on this industry? 
Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we hear either we hear that Bitcoin is perfectly anonymous or we hear that it's completely transparent. Right. And I think both is not true. Um, it, it's I mean, we have an undestructible history of a record of transaction. So, I mean, that's not really private and <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, but this doesn't mean that everything can easily be tied to your identity. We have a perfect link of transactions, but we don't know who controls the private keys behind them. And there are some very um, important assumptions that have to be made by chain analysis companies. Uh, for example, one assumption is that all the inputs correspond to the same uh, person, to the same entity. That's one assumption that most chain analysis companies do. And most of the time it's correct. Right? If, if I would send a couple Satoshis to you, uh, I would provide the input and give one output to you and then the change output to me. Uh, so right, I have one, two, three, four, five UTXOs in the input, and then we have two UTXOs in the output. And in that case, yeah, I, belong, I control all these inputs. But it doesn't have to be the case, right? For example, uh, if, if we together go to the cinema and or some some plays or movies or whatever, uh, and we pay together, we can batch our transactions and consolidate um, to spend both of our UTXOs within the same overarching transaction, which is going to be much more efficient in the block space. So you're incentivized uh, to have different entities in the input part of the transaction because it's cheaper uh, from a fee point of view. And so chain analysis has many assumptions like this, which are uh, true for sometimes, uh, but are not true for, for other times. So it's, it's very much a guessing in the dark. But they, they do have tools, absolutely. And especially when you use exchanges uh, that, that do know your customer or well, spying on you, uh, then, then it's definitely an, an issue. So you have to be careful. But Bitcoin can be pretty damn anonymous hmm. or private, not anonymous. Yeah, I think that that's a really good example. If anything, it's certainly obfuscated. Identity is obfuscated yes. in Bitcoin. And it's almost like a game of cat and mouse um, where if you are trying to remain anonymous, you must continuously work. Uh, to remain anonymous as cat and mouse, you know, is one is constantly chasing the other. Um, but another example that I heard of not too long ago is that, like, let's say uh, you have a Coinbase account and you regularly buy Bitcoin on this Coinbase account. And a friend of yours who doesn't like you might know that about you and might say, well, um, I want to try to get this person in trouble. So I'm going to do something for him or sell something to him in exchange, hoping he will give me some Bitcoin. Right. And then I take that Bitcoin, which analytically speaking, is tied to your identity via the blockchain. And then I take it and I send it to perhaps a party on um, the United States uh, sanctions list, right? Like one of the sanctioned Iranian Bitcoin addresses. I send it there. And now uh, blockchain analytics looks down the chain and says, well, clearly um, Max here, who bought this Bitcoin on Coinbase, moved it to another wallet and then sent it to Iran. Exactly right. So, so there there are many ways that that you can mislead uh, those that that are spying on the blockchain, and uh, and it's it's definitely not perfect. And and just what you what you described, I mean, something like this has just recently happened, right? Where where two I think Iranian individuals uh, got got their Bitcoin addresses uh, blo uh, blocked, so mm -hmm. to say, uh, that by legal decree, uh, the the dictators here in Washington have have said that uh, that no one can accept these Bitcoin transactions anymore, these Bitcoin in which they don't understand how Bitcoin works, so that just is technically impossible to do uh, but but yeah i mean this can happen and this has already happened and it's definitely an attack vector so i mean privacy and anonymity the thing is for for the last ever until 30 years ago all the actions that you did were private because no one could record you right and and if if no one was in within earshot you were pretty private and if you're writing a letter right and you travel by horse to one and give you give it in person no one is going to read that letter other than you and, and maybe the horse rider, right? So the, the, the default is privacy. And it's not that we have nothing to, it's not that we have something to hide. It's that we have nothing to share. And, and so privacy is absolutely a human right. And with, without privacy, that's, it's no longer society. So how does Wasabi help make Bitcoin more private? And what are some of your best practices in terms of uh, using Wasabi and trying to take that privacy back? 
Uh, great question. And Wasabi is tailor-made for privacy and on, on pretty much every level of the stack. Uh, so I would say the first and, and most important uh, aspect is something called Schnorr Blind Signature Coin Joins. Uh, so the important part is the coin join. A coin join basically means that we break the fundamental heuristics that all inputs uh, are together uh, by one entity uh, or controlled by one entity. Uh, so for, for example, in Wasabi, there are uh, 50 peers uh, doing one coin join transaction. So we have from 50 different wallets, maybe 70 different UTXOs because you can provide more than one input to a transaction, right? So let's assume we have 70 UTXOs uh, in the input section. Which one controls who? Well, we can, we can go back to the history and check for each UTXO, the chain of digital signatures until the Coinbase transaction, right? Uh, so, but then the cool thing is that on the output, what we can do, or no, Sorry, one step back. In the input section, every UTXO has a unique value, right? Maybe I provide one Bitcoin, the next one provides 1.1 Bitcoin, then 0.5 Bitcoin, and one like 50 Bitcoin. So every one of these has the unequal uh, values. And then what we generate is a transaction that spends all of these inputs into new outputs uh, with new addresses uh, that belong, again, to, to each of these individuals, but in a way that we generate like 50 uh, outputs that have the exact same value. For example, exactly 0.1000. And because we now have uniquely freshly generated addresses that do not have a history, and because they are all of the exact same value, plus because many different individuals have funded the input, this means that we just no longer can tell which output belongs to which input. Does this make sense? So I, I think I might have a good analogy for this. Um, let's say that I have a $50 bill and I'm worried that somebody might be able to track this $50 bill back to me. So I take this $50 bill to uh, the local grocery store and I ask for change and I ask them to give me $51 bills back. Um, and then rather than carrying around this $51, this $50 bill that I'm afraid somebody might be able to follow and track, I now have $51 bills that I can spend instead that are not necessarily tied back to me. Oh, I lost your audio there. I think you muted yourself. Oh, yes. Uh, precisely, you're absolutely right. But add on top to that, that it's not just you doing this, but there are 50 others. So everyone is providing some money and throwing it in the hat, like you provide 50, uh, someone 60, and another one 20. And then uh, everyone can take out a bunch of $1 bills. And thus, we have no clue who, who provided the inputs and who got the outputs. Interesting. And are there any, is there any mistakes that a person can make when using Wasabi? Um, like, is it is it a bad idea to try to uh, mix a lot of Bitcoin all at once? Or? Um, yeah, that's that's a really good question. Well, um, may, maybe a bit back to the to the history of, of coin joins. Uh, it's it's not a new idea. Uh, it's, it was actually proposed by Gregory Maxwell back in 2013. It just took so long to implement it in a real way because this is actually hard, <laughs> and Bitcoin is actually difficult. <laughs> uh, but the thing is that. Um, there have been different implementations before, and all these implementations had some fundamental flaws. For example, um, one individual has to be a coordinator uh, to, to just do the communication and everything. And um, it might be that with a naive implementation, this coordinator can either run away with the money. So for a period of time, he has access to the UTXOs and to the private keys controlling them. Uh, so it's custodial, right? That's not good. That's not Bitcoin. Uh, then another way would be that the coordinator uh, can completely de-anonymize every individual. Uh, that's, for example, what the, the Dash shitcoin has implemented with their super, super private uh, uh, like masternode system. is just a system of weakly implemented coin joints that, that are completely naive and probably really easy to, uh, to de-anonymize. And so there are many different attack vectors then when you don't have a clue what you're doing that the mistakes you're probably going to make. But the way that Wasabi is implemented, it mitigates a lot of these risks. For example, uh, the, there is a centralized Wasabi server that does the communication. Okay, So it's a centralized server backend of this wallet. However, you still at all the times control your private keys. So it's not custodial whatsoever. And you not even for a second give up custody over your Bitcoin. Always you have your coins at the Wasabi server, although it's centralized, cannot take your money away. That's perfect. 
Uh, and then further, because, and I mentioned that earlier, is that Wasabi uses these Schnorr blind signatures. And that's basically a fancy way of making sure that even the Wasabi server cannot link the inputs to the outputs. Uh, so for example, right to your analogy, when you throw $50, a $50 bin into the, the hat, uh, then the Wasabi server would not know, it, were, it, it would know that you put the $50 in, but it would not know which of the $51 bills you took out. Hmm. And that's really cool. So we have perfect privacy, perf quote unquote, perfect privacy, even uh, in the eyes of the uh, server, which is really cool. Interesting. Do you when do you think we'll start seeing more integration of Wasabi um, with services like exchanges and other wallets? And are you aware of any projects that might be doing this right now? Oh yeah, great, great question, right? Because anonymity likes company. Um, if if you're the only one walking around with a mask, <laughs> then everyone is going to look at you. If you are at the mask ball where everyone is wearing a mask you're not going to fall like, fall out of the crowd. So anonymity absolutely likes company. And again, it's a natural human right that we have. We, we should defend it and we should treasure it very much so. And so we need to make these tools available to as many individuals as possible. Uh, and I mean, I, I watched Wasabi grow since uh, for a couple months now, and uh, it started uh, very much in the... Uh, Second, it started in August 1st, was the uh, was the August 1st, 2018, was the first mainnet release um, or... Uh, well, the, the release of version 1.0, so it was running before then. And since then, so since August 1st, 2018, Wasabi has made 1,279 Bitcoin fungible. Uh, so this is awesome. I mean, 12,000 Bitcoin is quite a couple million Satoshis, hmm. and that is awesome. And are exchanges looking into it? Yes, some are. Uh, the good guys are. For example, Francis Pugliar, uh, who, is, who is working with Bull Bitcoin in Canada, a uh, fantastic entrepreneur and really one of the uh, one of the many ethical entrepreneurs we have in Bitcoin. And he, uh, he said that he will do all, uh, all the customer funds when he receives them and when he spends them, um, he, he will use Wasabi uh, to make sure that the, his client's privacy uh, is valued. Uh, same with Alex Brosworth. Uh, all the funds that he is generating with yalts.org, uh, the lightning uh, paywall article uh, service, uh, are going to be cleaned uh, with Wasabi Wallet, for example. Um, and I know of a, of a couple other exchanges who uh, were also looking into this on, on uh, always providing a, a coin join output uh, or, uh, or, or yes, sending, sending the money out of the exchange to the customers with a coin join. That's really awesome. That That's the kind of thing that I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of in the future, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we need it. And it's it, like the, the Schnorr based uh, coin joints that Wasabi provides are awesome and they're really, really good for what they're doing. Um, but it's uh, it's not enough, right? You you need to you need to have several layers of privacy. And although the Wasabi coin join uh, does does wonders for for on chain privacy, uh, it, it's not it's not the only thing that you have to take care of, right? It, it's also, for example, the communication. So how do you communicate over the internet? Um, if if you do that, do that on ClearNet, well, then you're transparent completely, and and you're going to be spied upon. Uh, so, for example, all the communication in the Wasabi wallet is done over Tor, uh, which helps a lot. Not perfect, but it helps a lot. Uh, and uh, then also, for example, and that's that's something that is really really nice. And again, one of the areas where Wasabi is cutting edge, and that would be that it already today has implemented the so-called Neutrino uh, SPV model which is the Bitcoin Improvement Protocol 157 and 58. And this is basically a way that you can use Bitcoin without having a complete copy of the blockchain, right? Usually you should be running your own node, but if you cannot do that, then usually what would happen is that you tell someone else what your address is, what your Bitcoin address is and how much money you have on there, right? And then you tell this one other person uh, that he should notify you if something happens to this address. And that is how the so-called uh, Bloom filters work in all the SPV wallets. So every phone wallet that we have right now is using this mechanism. So when you use a light client wallet, a server knows exactly how many Bitcoin you have on, on which address. Uh, well, not, not like there are some ways to defend it against that, but roughly speaking. And so what, what Wasabi does, it, it flips this on the head um, in a sense that uh, the Wasabi server tells you which addresses are in a block. And then uh, when, when one of your addresses is in a block, 
then you can download the entire blog from someone else other than Wasabi. Uh, so in this way, the nobody knows exactly which addresses are yours because you don't tell them. You get notified uh, with a filter of all the transactions in the blog, and then you yourself on your own hardware completely securely check if this is a blog that interests you. And if yes, then you download it over Tor. Or even better, you pull it from your own uh, from your own blockchain, from your own node, because Wasabi can be linked uh, to your own Bitcoin full node automatically. That's very interesting and quite compelling. I actually didn't realize that uh, it was even that complex. Oh, Wasabi is is really a beauty. Uh, it it is very well thought through on again all the la layers of the stack. Uh, so so it is really really nice uh, to, to have such a well thought out wallet that really takes privacy serious. And it's not a one horse or one trick pony. Uh, it actually really is, is well done on on all the layers. Hmm. What about fungibility? And I, I this is in and of itself I think a rabbit hole that we can go down. But do you think that it, on a on a broad scale, do you think Wasabi is making Bitcoin more fungible or potentially less fungible? Mm, yeah, that is a great question. Um, well, maybe let's start out with what exactly is fungibility. Uh, and I, I would say that fungibility is the thing that, or a, a, the attribute that one unit of currency uh, is equal to all the other units of currency. Uh, so, for example. Um, at a gold standard, the unit of the currency is the atoms of gold, right? And one gold atom is exactly the same as any other gold atom. So it doesn't matter which gold coin you get, as long as it's gold. Uh, and thus, gold is fungible um, on, on a micro scale, right? However, if you have a gold coin that is really beautiful, right, that, that just has a beautiful mintage, for example... Right here, I have a silver coin uh, for, for all the viewers on, on DTube uh, that is, if you can see that right here, uh, a picture of Mary Rothbard uh, right here on the coin. Uh, so this is for me a coin that I will never ever spend. This is much, much more than just the silver atoms. So this coin is no longer fungible for me because it has some additional, uh, some extra values. And uh, thus it deviates from the price. And then to apply this to Bitcoin, is every single Satoshi equal? Um, and and uh, are they all valued equal? Well, they they do have a history of transaction, right? And and they uh, satoshis or Bitcoin are generated with a block in the Coinbase transaction, and the Coinbase transaction ha does not have a history, right? So this one is perfect fungible. Uh, it's it's just a satoshi, and the history is not there. However, as soon as you make a transaction, you build up the reputation history of the chain of digital signatures. And thus, the, the older a, a UTXO is, with the more transaction, um, then there might be an issue, as you said, right, that the transaction was once owned by, by I don't know, a, a child murderer or something. And then maybe you don't want to have money that was owned by a child murderer. Or so then, for instance. Yeah, well, but I mean, Silk Road was just a bunch of peaceful individual uh, getting together, right? So there, there was no harm done there. But, like, but, but yeah, I mean, that's so that's the thing. Because the history of Bitcoin is is very transparent, there might be uh, there might be that you want to have a coin with a clear history, and Wasabi solves that, right? It it, it breaks the link of the history of the chain. So, in in that sense, it is more fungible. But on the other hand, the not not many individuals are doing Wasabi Wallet coin joins. And it might be, although this has not yet happened and it would be a tragedy if it happens, and please notify us because that, that would again be a very, very major human rights violations. Uh, if, you're, if, for example, a, a, a exchange does not accept a Wasabi Wallet coin join output uh, to be traded, right? Uh, that that would break the fungibility, right? So, so if you have a coin join UTXO and all of a sudden, uh, like some some thug is saying, no, I don't want to have that, um, and then this would break fungibility, yes. But I haven't heard of that yet, and I hope it's not not going to happen. But it might be. Yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment, I think, to consider what would happen in a world where, because, you know, if one single exchange were to start doing that, well, now they're creating arbitrage for their competitors, right? I mean, if I'm, if Coinbase, for example, um, just says, okay, well, we're not accepting any Wasabi outputs or any, any Wasabi uh, UTXOs. And every other exchange says, well, we don't care. We'll take them. 
They're, all they're doing is creating arbitrage opportunity for all of their competitors. Um, so unless I think unless it happens unilaterally or unless it happens at the nation state level, and, and even then you could argue that at the nation state level, they're creating arbitrage opportunities for other countries. Um, it, it's a really interesting thought experiment because technically speaking, theoretically anyway, in my mind, they was, a group of people would have to get together and agree and say, okay, this has to stop everywhere and they have to do it all at once. What do you think about yes. that? Uh, yeah, exactly. When we say Bitcoin is censorship resistant, that's exactly what we mean. Like Conbase can say, I don't want to have that UTXO. Uh, well, okay, then, then, like the thing is, I can send it to the Conbase wallet all the time, right? Uh, because it's a, Bitcoin is a push transaction and Conbase cannot stop me from sending money to them. Well, they can then uh, like steal it uh, and, and not give me the goods and services that they promise in exchange for that. And that would be theft. And well, with, with uh, the uh, I mean, Conbase is so immoral on so many levels that I, I definitely would not be surprised if they start stealing from their customers. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it, right. It, I mean, as, as you said, uh, that's just going to bring uh, that's because Bitcoin is a free market. Other entrepreneurs can enter the market. And that's the beautiful thing. Right? Conbase cannot keep other entrepreneurs uh, from providing a valid service to their customers. And, and that's, that's why it's so powerful. Hmm. Um, well, that, those are just about all the questions I got for you. Do you have anything else you would like to hit on before we wrap things up? Yeah, the, um, I mean, it was, it was a great conversation so far, and I really enjoyed it. And um, maybe the the, the real question would be, uh, Colin, uh, how much money exactly do you have? And, and what did you spend it on yesterday? <laughs> no, I, seriously, I want to know. <laughs> you, you, you see how uncomfortable this is? Yeah. Exactly. Privacy is your right. It's the, it's the standard. It's the baseline. It's what is right. It's what is the truth. And if we forget that, then inevitably we will we will lead or we will end up in tyranny. A a society which which can be spied upon, uh, and where where as a result of that uh, you you can be attacked, uh, is not a free society. Um, a slave has no privacy, and that is something very scary to see. Uh, because I would argue that uh, in the current uh, current era, especially with with, uh, with the age of the internet. We do not have any privacy, unfortunately. And this means that we are not free. And uh, this sucks very badly so. Uh, and one major aspect why you are being stolen from 24-7, I mean, like, if, if you count up all the taxation and, and uh, all the monopoly rights and all the uh, tariffs and all that, then we're like, what, 95%, 99% of, uh, of theft that is occurring every single day to you, of, of all the goods and services that you produce? Uh, that's horrible. But... Why can, uh, why can these thugs take away so much money from you? Because they know that you have it. And if they don't know that you have it, that takes away so much power from them. And that is exactly what we need. We need to have tools that empower the individual and exponentially takes away the power uh, from the corrupt state. And Bitcoin in itself is a beautiful, beautiful tool. And... Wasabi is just a tiny improvement to it, uh, but this tiny improvement already um, is, is very profound. Um, even if you use Bitcoin without Wasabi, uh, you or without coin joints or any privacy features, you're probably 99% um, better uh, than using uh, credit cards. Uh, never use credit cards, please never do. Uh, they're so bad. Um, but Bitcoin can be even better. And with something like Wasabi or, well, for example, then the Lightning Network on top or, or uh, sidechains or Chaumian eCash server or all the other crazy cryptography tools that we have, we can actually reclaim uh, our natural rights and we can do it in a peaceful manner. Uh, we, we don't have to uh, become aggressive, well, uh, violent, let's say, uh, and, and start burning down and protesting on the streets and yelling at others. We don't. The beautiful thing of Bitcoin that it is agorism. Um, we are peaceful individuals coming together to build a better society and to build out tools that, that will help us, not just today, but, but in the future as well. And that gives me so, so much hope. 
And I, again, thank you for, for, for all you do and, and for sharing this knowledge with others, because again, this is the great work. And it is extremely empowering and extremely uh, rewarding. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to what else we can build and what other tools we can come up with that, that are useful and that will remove, just, uh, remove the uneasiness of everyday life just a little bit more uh, and, and make uh, the, this life just yeah, a little bit more delightful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Max, thanks so much for coming on today. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow up with you, if they want to hear more about what you have to say? Oh yeah, uh, awesome for giving me the chance here to share a bit of my work. Um, I'm uh, My main website is towardsliberty.com and there I have a archive of knowledge of all the uh, resources that I find available, mostly just links to books and, and videos and, and other things that are useful. Uh, but they, they're up there is also all the content that I've produced uh, and that would be mostly on the World Crypto Network. So if you go to World Crypto Network, Dot com or just on YouTube, Google it, uh, duck, duck, go it, over tour. <laughs> uh, then you can find a bunch of videos there. Um, and yeah, I, I try to focus here on uh, applying uh, this knowledge. So uh, I focus a lot on Austrian economics and, and just the philosophy of, of anarchy and, and freedom and open source. Uh, and then though I, I really want to empower the individual. And I think that that sharing the knowledge on how to use tools is the most profound thing that we can do. And I try to teach teachers. So if you are listening to this podcast, um, sh share not just the link uh, to, to Colin's awesome podcast, but you yourself must become a teacher. And not just in order to help others. Uh, that, that's something that I, that I learned over, over the last like, uh, couple of years of, of sharing this information with others, is that when you apply uh, your knowledge by teaching it to others. Uh, it, it is immeasurably uh, rewarding and it, it really helps you to, to get a grasp on, on what this complex uh, technology is and what it can do. Uh, so it's, it's extremely powerful to help others uh, understand truth. And that is, again, that is the great work. Uh, so go out and apply what you know to be truthful. I echo those sentiments. Uh, not only is teaching a great way to reinforce concepts and and learn for yourself um you know but it's also a great way to share share that knowledge with others uh, max thanks so much for coming on the show today man i really enjoyed this conversation well again thank you colin for having me and keep up the great work all right hopefully we'll have you back sometime awesome thank you all right all right, guys, if you haven't already, you should really go download Wasabi Wallet. It's open source. If you're a programming type, you can go and check out the code for yourself. You can see how they handle the Chalmian coin joins, and you can see you know, the whole process of how uh, your Bitcoin goes through to Wasabi Wallet and how it gets mixed. If you want to learn more about these things, I would highly encourage you, you know, to, to dive into Bitcoin, understand a little bit about UTXOs, what UTXO actually means, the way Bitcoin... The way it keeps track of balances and stuff, it's, it's different than we might think because we conceptualize things in terms of crediting and debiting, uh, but Bitcoin works a little bit different, obviously, with, with the UTXOs. So if that's a concept, if you if you listen to this episode and you feel like you might need to go brush up on that, I would encourage you to just, just go to Google, honestly, and just look for more information. There is so much information out there that you can learn more about how Bitcoin works under the hood. And if you get a better understanding of that, these types of things are going to make a lot more sense to you. So uh, I highly encourage you to go subscribe to Max's show on uh, YouTube, World Crypto Network. He's just a part of that network, much like I'm a part of Decentralized TV, just to help get our message out there and help teach as many people as we can more knowledge and better understanding of Bitcoin and all of the features that it has and all of the software projects that, that people in the Bitcoin space are working on. Uh, you can also find Max on Twitter. Don't forget about that. And if you guys want to follow the show more closely, if you guys want to support the show, you can go to BitcoinEchoChamber.com where you can find all of our episodes or you can just find us on your favorite podcasting service like iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, um, the, the Android version, I forget what that's called, the, whatever Google's equivalent of the iTunes store is. 
You can find us on all of those podcasting services that you use. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, guys. It really does help me out. It goes a long way. Don't forget to give me the stars or the thumbs up and the likes and all that stuff. It, it really does mean a lot to me, all the feedback that I get on this show. I, I read every comment. I try to respond to everybody as best as I can, and, and I'm willing to help. You know, If you need help, feel free to reach out to me uh, if, if you want to sponsor the show or if you just have a question, uh, you can email me at bitcoinechochamber at gmail.com. That website is also available, or sorry, that email is also available on my website, bitcoinechochamber.com. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening, and hopefully I will see you in the next one. 